0: Five months ago, Democrat J.B. Pritzker came into the governor's office with an ambitious agenda to change the direction of the state of Illinois. This past week, as he signed his first budget bill into law, Pritzker rattled off a list of the things he accomplished.
1: We gave 1.4
0: million Illinoisans a raise. We expanded apprenticeships for our young people. We made college more affordable. We protected women's reproductive health. Yes. Yes. We legalized adult use cannabis and sports betting. We expanded broadband internet service. I'm gonna cut you short. We, We invested in innovation and job creation and we launched the largest plan in Illinois history to rebuild our roads and our bridges, our universities and our communities. Those measures stand in stark contrast to the previous four years under Republican Governor Bruce Rauner, who was known for his fiscal austerity and his combative relationships with public employee unions and the General Assembly. So has Illinois taken a sharp U-turn to the left and is this the direction that average Illinoisans want from their state government?
2: I would say uh, the majority of Illinois does not want this And I do believe you'll see an uprising of moderates that do not want these progressive changes.
0: This week, we'll talk with Republican State Representative Tony McCombie, as well as University of Illinois at Chicago political science professor Christopher Mooney about what just happened in the state of Illinois. We'll also hear from the Capitol News Illinois team who covered those issues to talk about what it all means going forward. All that coming up on this week's edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome back to Capital Cast. I'm Peter Hancock. The 2019 regular spring session of the Illinois General Assembly came to a close on Sunday, June 2nd. after the House and Senate agreed on a $40 billion state budget for the upcoming fiscal year, along with a $45 billion capital improvements plan. The budget includes more than a billion dollars in new spending on education, social services, and other programs. The capital plan includes a whole host of new taxes and revenue streams, including legalized sports betting. And while those two measures enjoyed bipartisan support, there was much less bipartisanship when it came to a host of other issues this year, like raising the minimum wage, legalization of recreational marijuana, reproductive health rights, and a long list of other issues that Democrats pushed through with their supermajorities in both chambers.
2: Last four years prior under Governor Rauner, We were able to stop some things because we had more seats, and they had to have conversations with Republicans, and I think that's the most important thing. I believe that that really upset them that they lost a little bit of control, and they really are uh, uh, showing us and reminding us who they are, what their agenda is, and, and they're really giving it to us.
0: That was Republican Representative Tony McCombie of Savannah, who has been named to spearhead the GOP's coordinated campaign for the Illinois House in 2020. Meanwhile, Democratic Representative Michael Zalewski, who chairs the House Revenue Committee and who played a key role in negotiating many of the new revenue policies embedded in the budget and capital plan, had a different view. This one has
2: been unlike any I've ever served in. It's both an action and
0: substance of the issues and the importance of the issues. This has been the craziest session I've ever been a part of. Looking at what happened in the 2019 session, it might seem like Illinois is an outlier among Midwestern states, which are traditionally known for being moderate to conservative in political philosophy and for being slow and cautious when it comes to embracing big changes. To get some insight on that, we spoke by phone with Christopher Mooney, who teaches state politics at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and we started off by asking him if Illinois is in danger of getting political whiplash.
2: A lot of this is uh, idiosyncratic. Number one, Illinois is idiosyncratic in the Midwest. Uh, You know, we're not Iowa, we're not Wisconsin, we're not Michigan. We have a different kind of economy, and we have Chicago. As basically a third of the state. Uh, and if you count the metro area, basically two thirds of the state. That's a very different look to the infrastructure, to the economy, and so forth of Illinois than, say, Indiana or even Missouri or Michigan, right? So we're different to start with. And that then you have the idiosyncratic situation of the 2012 gubernatorial election. I think the election of Bruce Rauner. Uh, in 2012, said more about Pat Quinn. It said more about the power of campaign dollars. And it said uh, a lot about Rauner's campaign message because he did not talk about uh, being, you know, the anti-union crusader in the general election in 2012, you know, like he turned out to be. Everybody was kind of surprised when all of a sudden he got not, uh, inaugurated in the next month. he Goes out to Decatur and does his PowerPoint. And says, "Yeah, we ought to, all, we ought to be right to work, just like uh, Indiana people, and you know, and do that right in Decatur and just stick it in the unions' face."
0: So, one of the other things that struck me about this session, uh, the legalization of marijuana, mm-hmm. we've seen this in the Mountain West, which is kind of known for its independent, kind of libertarian mm-hmm. mentality we've seen it in the Northeast and I guess Michigan before Illinois. Mm-hmm. Is this another example of Illinois being kind of idiosyncratic, or are we seeing this movement toward liberalizing marijuana laws finally reaching into the Midwest, into the middle of the country?
2: You know, the, the pattern of marijuana policy, it, it, it follows a real kind of traditional pattern of what we call in both sides, call policy diffusion and innovation. It's, you know, you get one place, it starts something, they start it kind of small, they check it out, it's a little pilot program, and, and other states, you know, kind of say, well, let's see how this works. And if it works pretty well, then, well, maybe we'll do it too, but maybe we have to modify it a little bit for our particular circumstances. We'll do,
0: sure. You know? And so... States being kind of the laboratory of democracy. Exactly right. You know. And
2: so what we got here is a very incremental development of marijuana policy in, this, in the States that is, you know, it's taking advantage of, you know, one of the geniuses of American politics. And that's, you know, that's federalism, you know, to diff, try different things out. And so you start with these real restrictive medical marijuana ones. Then they get a little more liberal. Then you, you know, then you get, uh, you know, Colorado and whatnot for recreation. Everybody kind of looks back and checks out. They're they're making a ton of money. Okay, now now what? Uh, And then Illinois is really, you know, as is kind of typical of this, we're the most recent one and we're farthest out.
0: And leads me to my next question, Mm -hmm. the abortion issue. Mm -hmm. Governor Pritzker had run on the campaign that he, among other things, he wanted to liberalize the state's abortion laws. Mm -hmm. But At the same time, during this session, we saw Alabama impose one of the strictest anti-abortion laws, Mm -hmm. uh, quickly followed by Missouri Mm -hmm. and now some other states. Mm -hmm. What does this say about the cultural divide in America, that Illinois would go so far in one direction while the more conservative, southern-leaning states are going so far in the other direction?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it it is a testament to, uh, you know, sort of sorting. Uh, process that people have been talking about the last 20 years in this country where people are instead of you know the people are choosing to live in places with people like themselves in various ways including politics right so if you're a democrat you tend to live by democrats Republicans tend to live by republicans and that's you know that's always been the case uh but uh, you know demographers and whatnot are arguing that that's increasing in the last 20 years and and then you know you see it you know you move to people move to the city, and they're if they're liberal, and people stay at home on the farm if they're conservative, and therefore, you know, Alabama likes Judge Roy Moore. So uh, I mean, that's just what ha- that's just what happens. Uh, but but it's another example. Both of them, both of the both of the pot thing and the abortion thing are examples of uh, American federalism at work. Uh, you know, at the laboratories of democracy. You know, and, and the idea is. I mean, and and you'll hear conservatives talk about this all the time, Uh, with the closer decisions being made to the people, in other words, the smaller the unit of government that's making these decisions, uh, the more likely it is going to be to reflect the values of that particular person. And, uh, you know, then on the other hand, they'll say, well, there are certain basic rights that need to be, you know, that the majority shouldn't trample over, and that's what the national government's all about, and we should, you know, okay, so there's that argument there. but. What you know, the, the the federalism argument is is if if the values vary across the states, and they don't violate any basic human you know basic fundamental rights that every American has, then the policy should vary across the states. If different parts of the country want to drive their cars at different speeds because they have different conditions, then uh, you know federalism allows that to happen.
0: That was University of Illinois at Chicago political science professor Christopher Mooney talking about the just-ended 2019 regular session at the Illinois Statehouse in Springfield. Now we turn to the rest of our Capitol News Illinois team with Rebecca Anzel and Jerry Nowicki. So, Jerry, let's start with you. We heard Christopher Mooney, to summarize what he was saying, was more or less that Bruce Rahner was kind of a bump in the road for Illinois, that Illinois has always been different from the rest of the Midwest. And what we're seeing in the Pritzker administration is really kind of getting back on track, so to speak, uh, going in the direction that Illinois typically goes in. Uh, you were around for a lot of the Rauner administration. What do you remember about that?
1: One of the main things I remember about Rauner is uh, in his first uh, election when he beat Pat Quinn, there was a couple things. First, Quinn had uh, really angered employee unions by uh, passing pension reform, so that's one of his key voting blocks that just weren't very happy with him. There was a uh, pension reform that would have uh, diminished benefits, the court determined, and uh, um, so this plan... Uh, would have affected cost of living increases and it was determined unconstitutional, never took effect, and a lot of Democrats put themselves out there on a plan that never really happened, including Pat Quinn. So uh, the other thing was Rauner uh, had an ad that I've always remembered that says, you know, I'm going to shake up Springfield and if you don't like what I do, throw me out in four years, and the voters did. Um, And he was also... uh, Fast forward to 2018, um, he had really angered uh, all the unions as well, and even some of the Republicans, a lot of the Republicans, uh, as he was primaried by Jeannie Ives, who went at him from his right on a lot of social issues, including uh, state funds for abortion. And she ended up garnering uh, over 48 percent of the vote, so he barely survived that and really stood no chance in the the blue wave year. And
0: we were just looking at that TV ad, uh, that. uh, Thank You Bruce Rauner, from the Conservatives. He actually did sign some considerable progressive liberal social policy. Uh, He was known as a a fiscal conservative, and certainly uh, his relationships with the unions weren't that good. Uh, But on social policy, he really also alienated conservatives.
1: Yeah, he did. Um, there was really no nothing to redeem him for anyone. Um, you got the people who, who would vote R no matter what, but nothing he did as governor really uh, shored up his base.
0: So what we're seeing in the Pritzker administration with Democrats in a supermajority in both chambers, uh, is this more typical of Illinois, or do you think Illinois has really kind of made a left-hand turn
1: here? They're inching farther left than uh, one would expect. Maybe inching is not the right word. Leaping, possibly, but yeah, this—it's uh, it, things were just very bad under Governor Rauner. Uh, added a billion dollars in interest payments um, alone to our backlog of bills, which hit sixteen billion, and nothing was going right for those four years.
0: Okay, and let's turn to Rebecca Ansel. One of the other major policy decisions made during this session was the Reproductive Health Act. And this came against the backdrop of the state of Alabama adopting one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country, quickly followed by Missouri, uh, an apparent attempt to get the whole issue of Roe versus Wade in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, Do you think this would have? been such a big issue in Illinois had it not been for the actions of the other states.
3: The Reproductive Health Act was, as I keep referencing in my stories, in legislative limbo for, for months until action in other states sort of propelled it forward. Um, I think one could make the argument, had it not been for actions taken in other states to restrict access to abortion, it probably would have stayed there. That was sort of the hook advocates needed to propel it out. Of legislative limbo and in back into the light um, and get action taken on it
0: and does this policy really put illinois out of line with the rest of the country or are we just seeing a greater divide among states uh, with southern conservative states going one way and northern more liberal states going another way
3: you're definitely seeing a split in states uh, you know, the southeastern states are going um, definitely in the way of restrictions. But uh, both proponents and opponents, as I also, again, keep referencing, um, both agree that the Reproductive Health Act in Illinois will, once Governor Pritzker signs it, and he has said that he will, um, will be the most liberal statute dealing with reproductive health and access to those those things, Um in the country. And that's more so than New York's law, which people had talked about a lot when, when that was passed.
0: And one of the things that the advocates kept saying on the floor of the House and the Senate was this really wasn't a big departure. This, the words they kept saying were, this codifies current practice, words to that effect. Uh, so in that respect, is it really that much of a change from what's going on anyway?
3: In some respect, does the Reproductive Health Act... The Reproductive Health Act does, in fact, codify what Illinois is currently doing, sure. Um, But to what opponents say, it does also repeal things that um, the state was actually doing. So um, there was a lot of discussion about... uh, you know, if a woman dies as a result of an abortion, automatically that case gets knocked to a coroner, and that was being repealed. That was something currently in practice in Illinois already, and, like, you know, proponents were saying, you know, we are just codifying what's happening in Illinois. Well, that's something that was happening in Illinois that was being repealed. Um, There are instances of that throughout the law. Uh, It also, any sort of restriction you could possibly imagine is being lifted, and I don't say that... um, judgmentally or issuing any of my own um i'm not passing judgment that is just what it does It, it creates access to any sort of reproductive health care as a fundamental right which basically means that the state of illinois and any level of government in this state cannot impair a woman or a man's access to reproductive health care um that includes everything from yes abortion to access to contraception if a man wants to get sterilized um If a woman wants to get a pelvic exam, like any level, pregnancy care, anything, any access to that cannot be impaired whatsoever now.
0: And one of the other things, and I'll throw this out to both of you, that Professor Mooney said was that Illinois, one-third of the state is the city of Chicago. If you take in the Chicago metro area, that's basically two-thirds of the state. Absent the strong Democratic base in the Chicago area, Would the rest of Illinois be going for the kinds of policies that we saw here this year? Jerry?
1: Certainly not. Um, I covered, I lived in Leroy and Farmer City, and um, a lot of people I spoke, I still speak to from there, uh, don't care much for the policies that have been coming out of Springfield uh, this session.
0: And Rebecca, what's your take on that?
3: There are Republican lawmakers in the General Assembly. They do a lot of them come from Southern Illinois and you wouldn't see them in the General Assembly representing the views that they they have, the more conservative views, if there weren't constituents that elected them there.
0: And we're gonna leave it at that for this week on Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a nonprofit news service of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, thank you for listening. I'm Peter Hancock.